Welcome to Conversation Mill. Join me as I talk to individuals stepping out to pursue their passions, from small business owners to community leaders, and learn with me how we can work together to support our local communities and local economies. Visit conversationmill.com to learn more, but now please join us in conversation. We are here at Grateful Market on Double Blessings Farm, and I am sitting down with the owners and creators of the Knack Shack. Yes. Yes, indeed. My <laughs> name is Frank Nagelvort. Frank, welcome. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are out here doing today. Yeah, so right now we're selling our coffee um, at the Double Blessing Farm. We sell all organic coffee um, from all types, all different origins around the world. Um, places like Ethiopia, Tanzania, Colombia, Mexico, Papua New Guinea, all kinds of stuff. Um, so we also sell candles. Um, we make 100% soy wax candles. Um, we did not bring those today, okay. <laughs> but you can find those on our website um, at knackshackstore.com. And yeah. What got you into doing coffee? Um, coffee's always been something that I've been really passionate about. Um, we started roasting it almost two years ago and people, our friends and family like, Oh yeah, I want to buy it from you. Yeah. And so it just kind of turned into something that we did regularly. And then we invested in a professional grade roaster and we've been growing ever since then. Where did you learn coffee roasting? Um, kind of just taught, taught myself, um, YouTube videos, a lot of research, um, reading, researching the different origins, different beans, um, going on the supplying like supplier websites and just seeing and reading about like the different cupping notes and how beans are roasted. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. What makes your roasts maybe different than other ones we might be familiar with? What makes you unique? Totally. So we, we roast on an all induction electric roaster, uh, induction heat, basically, um, yeah, it doesn't use gas. Um, the induction roaster heats up all si simultaneously and it gives a very even roast. Um, we also stick to roasting only like organic beans. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of coffee, coffee shops have a lot of variety of the beans that they roast. Um, but we found that the caffeine content affects people in negative ways when mm. the coffees are not organic. Interesting. Um, and so like I get really, really jittery when I have coffee that's not organic um, or yeah, it's just, it's just weird depending on the origin, depending on where it's grown and how it's roasted. Some coffees I, I drink and feel like really, really shaky or jittery. And then the coffees that we drink are like super smooth. I have like no negative effects of caffeine. I'm about to come over there and get some because I am a coffee holic, um, but I already got up early and had some, so I'm just like letting that wear <laughs> off here. a little bit, and then I'm going to come over and get some. But where do you source organic beans from? Then you source them from these individual um, countries. Yeah, so we we right now work through a third party supplier um, online. They're located, I think, in Wyoming or Wisconsin somewhere. Um, okay out west um but they they source all their coffee beans directly from the farms gotcha um so ideally um we would like to we would like to start getting those connections we do have connections in different places of the world and it takes it does take a lot to like build that relationship and then get there and then like get to the point where we're able to buy a ton of coffee from like one farm at, at a time it's actually you'd think that cutting out the middleman would 
would like reduce the cost, but it's actually a little bit more expensive between like getting there and then shipping the beans still like, because we, we want the farmers to get paid. Right. Um, like what, what it's worth, um, what the market is. And so we're working on those. Um, but it's like, it's hard to, we're still kind of in the startup process. Yeah. What does um, the future look like for you? What are you hoping to, yeah. to where, where are you hoping to take this? Totally. So we'd love to have a storefront. Yeah. Um, right now we have like a, a shack, <laughs> hence the name, the Knack the Shack, shack. The yeah. Knack shack, shack. Um, yeah, we would love to have a storefront um, somewhere in Greenville. Uh, we're not quite sure yet, but we re- would really love opportunities to get into other countries. Um, we see that as a, a mission opportunity okay. um, to get into other countries, to develop relationships and, and ultimately share, share Jesus with people. Um, that's definitely a, a passion of ours. And so, um, I think that would be a big part of, um, yeah, the, the pursuit and what's next. Yeah, yeah. W- what's next? Where we see like long term vision. Like we would love to be able to get into other other countries, teach people how to roast coffee um, in a sustainable and like low cost way. Um, help farms be developed and built and give a good crop. All, all that stuff. Where can our listeners find your product? Can they order online and have it shipped? Yes, they can. So we offer subscriptions um, and like you can you can go online, buy one one bag, two bags, five bags, however much um, you'd like. The more you buy, the less it is. <laughs> awesome. Um, what are your subscriptions? Because I love those coffee subscriptions. Totally. How does yours work? So right now we do a biweekly subscription. We find that most people go through a pound, you know, every week. If, like, yeah maybe every two weeks. Um, so we, we do every two weeks. Um, right now you can buy as many bags as you want in that. And then it's, um, I think $4 off our regular price if you, if you subscribe and then we split the shipping costs with you. Um, right now just marginally, (laughs) uh, it's like $4 and 50 cents. We charge for shipping, um, every, every two weeks for that coffee. Awesome. Is there anything you want to leave with our listeners about coffee, about what you guys are doing before we sign off? Let's see. Um, Yeah. Coffee and candles make great gifts for (laughs) (laughs) the The holidays are coming up. They are indeed. Uh, Well, thank you so much for um, stopping by and and jumping on the podcast. And and we wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are back with Sean from Humble Flowers and Veggies. Correct, yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, what you guys are selling here today. Yeah, today we're uh, bringing mostly sunflowers with, um, on our veggie side, we brought a bunch of pumpkins and gourds that we um, grew out and then some mixed flower bouquets that are largely uh, based out of the sunflowers with some of the dahlias that we're growing as well. So how did you guys get started? How did we get started? Well, we just got started about a year ago, but um, we kind of fell in love with gardening and the, the you know, regenerative farming movement and flower mm. farming um, as kind of like the core enterprise of what we want to do as our um, farmstead, homestead um, business. And um, yeah, we just kind of, you know, uh, fell in love through things, through learning about things through YouTube and over the internet and um, listening to different podcasts and, and uh, things of that nature to, to just really learn while we, um, you know, this is our first year uh, growing flowers uh, out here in South Carolina. We're, we're um, 
we moved from California about a year oh, ago. Okay. So yeah, we we lived in a small small condo and kind of dreamt of having a farm and being able to grow our own food and um, and flowers to create an income for ourselves. And um, yeah, it's been a, a fun adventure thus far. But yeah, it's been you know we just we just uh, started about a year ago out here. Um, we're just up the road um, from the. Um, uh, just, just down the road from here, from this farm and, uh, outside of Traveler's Rest. And we, uh, we have a few acres and we're, we're growing a lot of dahlias and sunflowers and, um, uh, we aspire to grow more of our own food kind of in the future as well. So what precipitated the change from California to here? Did you have family here and, and decided or? Um, a, a big part of it was kind of the growing conditions and, um, you know, with climate change being like a big part of, uh, you know, what farming is going to be in the future and kind of some of the er erratic weather that we've been seeing, uh, you know, across um, the U.S. Like this area is one, was one area we found was was less impacted by a lot of like the yeah. the bigger, um, you know, earthquakes and stuff like that. Coming from California, that's a big concern and fires and stuff like that. So there's not a lot of those concerns here. Um, so that was a big part of it. And we just we we fell in love with this area. I come from a, a background in craft beer and there's a lot of local craft breweries here. So that helped, uh, you know, me become aware of this area. But we uh, we visited and we fell in love with it and, and uh, just kind of felt felt a calling. So now yeah, your it. name is Humble Flower and Veggies. Mm -hmm. Why did you guys pick that name? Uh, the, the word humble always kind of struck a chord for me, um, you know, throughout my life. And we, uh, you know, we wanted to be humble in our efforts of, you know, we wanted to start a business to be able to uh, create a humble, a humble means for our family. And, um, you know, the, the goal is to, you know, to, to kind of do good in the world and, and um, you know, bring flowers and happiness. And so kind of I think the, the roots of, of what we're trying to do are very humble. And mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's something that always kind of struck a chord with us. I love that. Now, where can our mm -hmm. listeners follow you or mm -hmm. find your, uh, your yeah, flowers yeah. and veggies? We're doing most of our uh, marketing through Instagram. So it's at um, Humble Flowers and Veggies. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be here at the, this farmer's market for, um, you know, the next uh, three weeks we'll be here. Um, we do some kind of on-farm uh, on sales and um yeah, if people want to connect with us through our Instagram, we uh, we will have flowers basically for the next couple of months until we get some frost and a little bit into there. But um, we'll be doing a lot of tulips in the spring and um, dahlias and sunflowers are kind of be, going to be the mainstays for us into in the next season. We're kind of going to double down on that. But yeah, that's awesome. that's us. Is there anything you want to leave with our listeners or share with our listeners about um, humble flowers or about you guys or about what your mission is? Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, I just want to, uh, put it out there to people to, you know, it's important to support local, local flower farmers and, um, local farmers in general, because it just, it brings a lot of good to both the community as well as, you know, it's, it's doing good for, you know, large, depending on how they do it, but, um, you know, a lot of the organic and regenerative farming, there's, there's a lot of benefit both culturally, personally, health wise. And there's just, there's just so many benefits. And the more that we support, you know, those kind of movements, um, not just our farm, but, but, um, we help encourage and educate people. I think there's, a, um, you know, a lot of benefits, both culturally, personally, health wise, and, uh, it just brings a lot of, you know, uh, good into the world. So. Well, yeah. thank you so much for yeah. um, stopping by and telling yeah. us a little bit about what you yeah. guys are doing. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for all that you do as well. Of course. Appreciate your time. I am back sitting with Rick from Rainbow Farms. Um, Rick, what do you all have over at Rainbow Farms? Are you just doing the honey? We just do honey. 
Okay. So tell me a little bit about how Rainbow Farms got started. Uh, my dad started it back in the early 2000s. And after he passed away, my mom said, we got to do something with this equipment. Yeah. So she said we can burn it or start raising bees again. So we started raising bees. Um, so how many hives do you have? How big is your operation? We have 40 hives right now. Oh, wow. Trying to get to 100 is our goal. Yeah. What is the biggest challenges you encounter um, beekeeping? Time. Yeah? Yeah. Just enough time to get everything done? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your different honeys, because I saw that you had a couple different flavors there. Uh, our wildflower honey is all local. Uh, it comes from right here in Traveler's Rest in Marietta. Okay. Uh, our orange blossom honey comes out of central Florida. I have a friend that's got bees there. Okay. And uh, he also has some in Michigan on the blueberry bushes up there. Ooh. So we work out a trade. Yeah. How do the flavors differ? Uh, the orange blossom, you can actually smell the orange. Mm. And then when you taste it, it's got this little hint of orange. Yeah. And then blueberry, you just got just a slight blueberry taste to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, where can our listeners, besides obviously out here at the Grateful Market for the next month, where else can our listeners buy your honey? I have some at the Malt Yard and Traveler's Rest. Okay. Oh, that's my brother. Okay. And, and he helps out, so. And do you guys do any selling online or anything? No. No, not yet? No, not yet. Planning on getting there? My daughter will put something on Facebook and she'll sell that way, but I don't do that. Keeping it real local. So yeah. our listeners, if you're local to Traveler's Rest, Greenville, you're going to have to come down and seek out Rainbow Farms at Grateful Market for the next month. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you. I am sitting with uh, Rebecca. Two yep. Rebecca's here. Yep. <laughs> I'm sitting with Rebecca from Pleasant Hill Provisions. Yep. Tell us a little bit about what you're selling here today. Um, I have pepper jelly. Um, well, it's really pepper jam because I don't strain it out, so it does have the pepper and some seeds in it usually. Um, I also have some authentic New Orleans-style pralines. Um, which I like to make, mm -hmm. and then I have some sewn goods. So I have some cute aprons and some collar kerchiefs for dogs and cats. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, the You mentioned the New Orleans uh, pralines. Yes. Tell us a little bit about those and why in that style are you a fan of, of that, that praline out of New Orleans? Oh, I just think they're one of the most delicious confections in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom's from Louisiana, so... Um, I have like a lot of fondness for the Southern Louisiana cuisine. <laughs> yeah. And I started, I tried making them and I thought they were delicious and I shared them and people told me they were delicious. So I'm seeing if I can, uh, share them more widely. They are. I can testify to that. I just sampled <laughs> it and it was delicious. Um, and tell us a little bit about, um, the aprons that you have over there. Um, I'll post a picture of, uh, of them, but a couple different patterns and the style's a little bit different than I think people might think of when they think of like an apron. Yep. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Um, they're a crossback apron. Um, so they don't have any ties and they're really flexible in terms of, you know, they kind of fit all shapes, shapes and sizes. Um, and I, just, I grew up with, like, jumpers like this when I was a kid, so I guess it's like a throwback to, like, my childhood to make some aprons that, like, remind me of the jumpers I had when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, and so I've, I found a pattern I really liked, and 
it didn't have enough pockets, so I added more pockets and I added a couple other things and arrived at something I thought was really cute. So I have a bunch of different, not a bunch, I have a handful of different, <laughs> a handful and a half of different uh, styles and colors um, of those. So they're pretty fun. And the um, pepper jams yep. that you're doing, where did you learn to make that? Was it something you just like kind of fell into or is it is this a family tradition? Uh, no, or? I fell into it. Um, I'd never had it before. I would occasionally see it when I was a kid and be like, what? who would make jelly out of peppers? Uh-huh. <laughs> Such a strange thing. And then a friend of mine shared some with me and I thought it was so delicious. And, uh, and I also love peppers. Like I'm kind of addicted to trying all kinds of different peppers. So I, a couple years ago, um, I started starting peppers from seed, like, so I could get all the different kinds of peppers I couldn't find in, in stores. And, um, and then I started growing more different kinds of peppers. So this year we grew, I think 13 different kinds of peppers. Oh, wow. And so the jellies are just a combination of the different peppers that were ripe at the time I needed to make a batch. And, um, and so I have probably, 10 different batches that are slightly different. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Of different sweetness and hotness. And uh, only a couple of them are really, really hot. So most of them are pretty, pretty good. <laughs> and you're you're here at Grateful Market um, this month outside of Traveler's Rest on uh, Double Blessing Farm. But um, when you're not here, where else can our listeners find your goods? I've just set up a Facebook page. Um, so if you look for Pleasant Hill Provisions on Facebook, you'll find a Facebook page that was just set up with very little activity. <laughs> but I am monitoring it. So anybody can uh, message me there if they are interested in uh, some pralines or some pepper jelly or some of the sewn goods that I have. Um, so I basically make the stuff that I like. Yeah. And then I hope that other people also like it. <laughs> no, that's the thing is like, keep it unique because if you like it, somebody else likes it and is looking for yeah. it, but n- nobody makes it. So yeah, yeah possibly. Keep possibly. it. <laughs> so I just interviewed an artist um, in that episodes coming up later, but he was like, you know, my advice to like, crafty people or artists is keep it weird. Just yeah, yeah. do what you're doing. Yeah. And there's a niche for it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that's what that's yeah, I'm good at keeping it weird. So that's that's what I'm going for. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for um, stopping by and telling us a little bit about what uh, you're doing. And we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. I have Chris from Woodchips sitting with me. Chris, what is Woodchips? Woodchips is the name of my little company that uh, we build bowls. And we have hand-carved bowls, and we have different selections of trees, from cherry to river birch, oak, some maple, and some red cedar so far. Oh, wow. How did you get started making bowls? I got started when I retired. So I retired and I got started. So, and then it's just been a process, a learning process of what will work, what won't work, uh, what trees do better than others. Some definitely will not work. And so it's been a learning process over the last three years. And so we've gotten to a point where we think we can, uh, can pass it along to some, to some customers and hope that they enjoy it. Why woodworking? Why bowls? Why was that the retirement hobby? Probably because it was something that I could I could handle and stuff, okay. and I had a, a few tools that I could work with. But I've, I've managed to be able to collect and purchase some other ones to to speed up the process. And it's I've seen those products other where, other places, and so I've kind of developed a knack for it. I, I hope. Yeah. And uh, and how do you finish the bowls? So you're you're hand carving them, correct? Hand carving them. That's correct. And then what's the process after that? 
Okay, after after the carving and uh, a tremendous amount of sanding, I finish them in food safe uh, walnut oil and some mineral oil. It's, okay. And some people call it butcher block oil, but uh, primarily uh, a walnut oil and use that as paint. On the red cedar, I use beeswax. Oh, okay. And so, and that works well for that particular type of wood. Yeah. So, and for our listeners, we uh, you can tell we're on a farm. We just had a little serenade from the donkey there during your yeah. answer. Um, so you're out here at Grateful Market um, for October. If somebody wanted to purchase uh, your bowls a different another time of the year, can where else can they find you? Right now, since this is our first time, they can't unless okay. I give you my okay. <laughs> my well, email okay. address. So, but I'm going to work on, and I think I've talked to enough people even this morning that's convinced me that maybe a Facebook oh. post or something, and I'll get my adult children to probably help set me up with that. Yeah, so, let's get yeah. you set up with just a little, yeah, yeah little just a little social media, yeah. yeah, so people can buy Exposure. them. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, let us know a little bit about your uh, the prices on your bowls and what types of different bowls you're doing. Okay, primarily, okay, I like the, the cherry. Some of it I will price just uh, from the species. Some requires just a little bit higher just because it's a little more delicate to work with. But what I try to do is just go out to the market place and mm-hmm. see what's there. And what I've tried to do is, is come in maybe 30, 50, 50% lower than what I see out on the, on the market. So, uh, so the prices right now, probably the most expensive one we have today is probably a 20 inch by 10 or 12 inch wide cherry platter. That's for 125. Okay. And then some, some of the ones that we brought along, that were some of my starter set. We'll we'll classify them that way, maybe in the twenty dollar range. So it and some of it depends on the species. Some of it depends on size, and then some of them just turn out beautiful. And some you think, oh, well, this is the same piece of wood, and it, you know, it's kind of the way this is the way God made it. Let's see yeah. if we can expose what uh, what oh, He did. Yeah. So, um, what kind of uh, wood is your favorite to work with? Cherry. Yeah. Why is that? Cherry. I, uh, it's, I think it's the I think it's the most beautiful wood mm. that that I've run into. However, you know some of the other ones we have some river birch. It's gorgeous, yeah. and and a lot of people really like the red cedar. And it's different to work with because it's a soft wood, so you have to do a few little different tweaks to it. But it turns out really nice too. It's a little more temperamental okay. about with with the uh, with the tools and stuff that I use. So, but it's all good. And it's where do good. you source your wood from? neighbors and friends and relatives so okay. far. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, but I'm going to, yeah, I'm always on the lookout. If I hear a chainsaw in the neighborhood, I'm usually out there within a few hours to investigate, see <laughs> what's going on, see if I can uh, uh, borrow some from someone. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for stopping and, and talking with us. And uh, Wood Chips is the name of your business. You're here local to the Traveler's Rest area. Yes. And um, maybe in a couple of months, uh, listeners Google Wood Chips Traveler's Rest and he'll have a little site up or a little Facebook. We hope so. Perfect. Thank right. you, Chris. And thank you. I am sitting here with Bella from Bella's Boutique. We're at the Grateful Market still. Bella, how old are you? 11 years old. And 
When did you start this business? Well, um, I was just, me and my friend were, um, we didn't really have anything to do one day. So, and we both knew how to make earrings. So we decided to make like a couple pairs of earrings and bracelets. And then we sold them at the end of the street. And then it actually went pretty well. And we um, almost sold out. So, um, it, and then we just kept selling them at the end of our street, and we sold them at Stag's Nursery a couple times, and we sold them at um, my aunt's farm as well. Yeah. So, um, we've kept, and the business has, like, kept going, going on from there. And what's your favorite part about making jewelry? Probably just, like, experimenting with, like, different kinds of ways to make it, and, like, different colored beads and stuff. What... What is your favorite thing to make? Earrings or bracelets? What do you like best? Well, um, I love to make um, little earrings, not like the giant earrings because they're kind of hard to twist. I like to make the just little earrings because I have lots of um, littler sisters who love those. Yeah. So I just make a bunch of like little earrings for them. Oh, that's cool. How do you feel about being out here at the market and selling to customers? Is that hard or is it easy for you? Um... It's um, a little hard for me, like, between the big gaps of, like, not no, not a lot of people coming. But um, I just, like, keep waiting, and I try to keep, um, I try to, like, do whatever I can to um, not just be bored and just be sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, how do you hope to grow your business? Do you want to keep doing this, or do you, what do you think you'll do? I probably want to add, um, like, different kinds of jewelry, like maybe um, necklaces and, like, um, rings possibly, and then just, like, keep the business growing and, like, try to get more seasonal and um, just keep, keep growing as much as, as much as it can. That's awesome. Now, are you on social media at all? Are you selling online or are you just selling at the market? Um, sometimes, um, whenever we do sell, we post it on Facebook, but not really selling on Facebook. Okay. And no social media yet? No. Okay. So they can find, if our listeners want to come see you, they can come see you here at the Grateful Market the rest of the month, right? Um, yeah. Okay, perfect. Bella, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast and telling us a little bit about what you're doing. Thank you. We wish you all the best of luck and um, keep that business growing. Okay, I will. I am sitting here with Melinda from Helen's and or Helen and Floyd's. And tell us a little bit about the name first and then a little bit about what it is you're selling. Okay. Um, Helen was my mom's name and Floyd was my dad's name. So... I sell a lot of bags, and I was thinking of calling myself the bag lady, actually, and my daughter's like, no, 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 Mom. <laughs> so they, we've used Helen and Floyd's for a while, but that's where the name came from. My mom sewed all the time, and my dad repaired sewing machines, and I do a lot of sewing, a lot of my, yeah. Yeah. When did you, I'm, it just kind of seems like it's in your blood to be doing this, but when did you start sewing and, and creating things? After I was newly married, my parents gave me a sewing machine because they sold sewing machines. And I, I, I went home and I thought, I hate sewing. They gave me a sewing machine and I sewed forever after that. I just love sewing. So I've taken a break because I actually have a job, another job. But this gave me this 
Grateful Market gave me a reason to really start sewing again. Yeah. So I love it. Um, and do you sell only at the markets or do you sell any online as well? No, I only here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you'll be here for the rest of October, correct? I'll only be here the last weekend in October okay. and then the November 5th makeup, the rain date. Yeah. yeah. So okay. two more weekends, yes. So tell us a little bit about the bags that you're making. Um, are they all different styles or is there just one style or what are you all sewing over there? I have cosmetic bags. And I have jewelry pouches. Um, they have little pockets in them for all your jewelry. And mini zippered bags, which uh, one of Rachel's mini bars of soap fit perfectly in them. Love yeah. that. So just a lot of different kinds of... Um, and then there's a lot of... I uh, also have a lot of quilted pieces over there. Okay. So, um, Is there anything you would like to leave with our listeners as just kind of a last thought or a last word? No, come out and see us. We're having a great time here at Rachel's Farm at the Double Blessings and Grateful Market. So, Thank you so much for stopping you're by welcome. and telling us about what you're doing out here. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Our last interview here at Grateful Market is with Jeff from Briggs Garden. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're promoting here today. Sure, Rebecca. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate that. Uh, Briggs Gardens is a family-owned uh, homestead. And so myself and my wife and my three children and I have been growing uh, produce, uh, fruits and vegetables for a number of years, uh, basically in our own, in our home, in our backyard. And um, just through the years, we've kind of matured as growers, matured as gardeners. And uh, by doing our own seed saving and getting more into uh, organic gardening, kind of returning back to the garden kind of idea, we began to expand and tried to monetize it by doing a few shows here just to supply area individuals with some of our products. And so we offer a variety of uh, plants and fresh produce, fruits and vegetables. And we've gotten into canning our own um, preserves and jams and jellies as well from the very uh, berries and uh, uh, things that we uh, reap from our, the harvest from our uh, homestead. So uh, we're really just a small local homesteading um, family that offers some products through the local community. And here in the Grateful Market has been predominant place where we've shown. And how long have you been doing this for? Sure. So that's more of a large question because I was raised on a farm in Ohio um, well, really 40 plus years ago. And so having grown up in that environment, uh, my parents instilled a lot of those kind of self-reliant, resilient skills and work ethic and, and a lot of growing uh, I knowledge. So I have a little bit of that IQ that I carried forward. And uh, although I'm a professional by day, I work at a university. Um, my desires to be a bit of a grower and a gardener have always resided with me. So uh, in 2009, we, we when we bought the property we're on, we started our first raised bed garden and really kind of learned how to do raised bed gardening. Here in the upstate, there's a lot of clay, you know, so it's yeah. difficult to raise in the clay and in the different soils. And so we had to learn, which has taken about a decade, we've had to learn how to manage dirt and compost and soil amendments, soil nutrients in and around. And we find the best way to do it is uh, by doing raised beds. So since 2009, we've continued to expand and mature our growing and our operations. And where would you like to see Briggs Garden go? How would you like to grow this into the future? Yeah, I've never had a vision for it being a um, a, a, a full-time vocation. This is more of my own personal hobby, and my family have joined me 
because we reap the benefits. We eat a lot of the very produce we grow. Sure. So, you know, so it's life-sustaining for our family, and we enjoy that. We also enjoy watching stuff uh, mature and harvest and grow. I mean, there's a real sense of satisfaction to see something uh, produce and, uh, and, and provide a harvest. So we do like doing the shows. We like having enough product to offer and supply people. I even do some garden tours at my house because oh. we do composting. We do water retention. Uh, through rain barrels. I do seed savings. So I do a lot of different aspects that support the growing environment. I even speak to some of the uh, prepper groups in the community on victory gardens and growing and that kind of thing. So I don't see us growing much larger as a capitalist business per se, but we're becoming more efficient in what we're doing. If somebody wanted to come out to your farm for a tour just to learn whether it's because they're going to be homesteading or yeah. they're setting up a backyard garden, how could they get a hold of you to yes. schedule a tour? Thank you for asking me that. So for the most part, the word of mouth referrals, people that I meet uh, here at the Grateful Market or that I've met at various um, um, presentations that I've done have have been, I've connected them to, for them to come over. So we don't have a, a website. Uh, mm-hmm. You can contact me through my email address or my, my personal cell number. Okay. And those are the best ways to reach me i can either give you that now or we can we can give it to you if later. you don't mind sharing yeah. your email sure sure so it's my name jeff.briggs at ngu.edu and so the best way to reach me is through email and until we get a site set up yeah, yeah. and you mentioned um that you work at a university as your uh, your full-time yeah, gig yeah, yeah. um what do you do there sure so at north greenville university which is the ngu extension off my email address sure i'm a business professor i have a doctorate in sport management and i've oversaw or led the sports studies division for almost two decades now so basically i'm a business professor my background is in finance and operations and really in business management. I've helped businesses start and advance and grow. And I do a lot of CFO work through my financial consulting. So um, I've been a business professor in the sports studies division. I'll continue to do that until the Lord has me go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. so you're such a great resource, too, um, for these other entrepreneurs here, I'm sure, to kind of yeah. um, you know come and ask you some some questions as they grow. Absolutely. A lot of startup businesses need help with their corporate structuring. They need help with their tax identification. They need help with their understanding how to itemize things and how to deduct things. They need help in in thinking strategically about the financial planning or even the brand management of their business and how to step forward and and not bite off more than they can chew, but manageably grow or sustainable grow. So all those kind of things from a business perspective, I can help individuals much like many of these vendors out. Perfect. Is there anything you want to leave with our listeners today? You know, I I want to go back to growing and gardening. And so we love to eat the produce uh, that the Lord gives us. And it's it's very fulfilling Mm -hmm. to be able to grow your own lettuce or your own beets or your own radishes, your own broccoli, and then to harvest it and eat it. And so the notion of going back to the garden, becoming more self-sustainable, we think is richly rewarding. And we think that's the way God designed it. So we love pursuing that and continuing to grow in that. Thank you for this opportunity, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. Thank you for speaking with us today. Certainly. God bless y'all. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. As we wrap up at Grateful Market, I just want to say thank you to all our vendors for coming over and sharing your stories and talking about your products with us today. If you are in the Greenville, South Carolina area, you can come visit Grateful Market every Saturday through October. 
Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support.